So, this is a person who understands what is faithfulness, and um, the um, and she she shared at the beginning of December, and um, by popular um, request is is back and um, sharing again on the next in our series um, called Power Tools. So if we can get that presentation ready, would you just stand with me as we pray? And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are a faithful God. And Lord, today we just pray you give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying as we hear your word. I thank you for my mom and thank you that we can um, share this platform together and for all the wisdom that you've poured into her life, Lord. I just pray you would anoint her words uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. So nice to be with you again. And thank you to that one person who asked for me back, <laughs> whoever, you, whoever you were. <laughs> oh, dear. You know, some things in the Bible I find so challenging. I don't know about you. One of the main things I find challenging is the Great Commission. You know what I mean by the Great Commission? No? Okay. Some of you do, some of you don't. It's so, so challenging. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Are you a disciple? Am I a disciple? Is he talking to you and I? Yes, he is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, fortunately, when he was speaking, there were only 11 disciples. They had rather a long way to go, and they didn't exactly have Concord or, or trains or anything like that. So to say to them, you've got to do it, that was a bit of an impossible task. But he wasn't just talking to them. He was talking to all of us. And this is a section of all nations, isn't it? Staley Bridge is a section of all nations. Wherever you live, wherever I live, is part of that. And we're supposed to go and make disciples. Do you find that challenging? Because yeah. I do. I'm hoping I'm not alone here. I do. You know, you talk to your neighbors, you talk to your friends, you talk to your family sometimes. And, and they don't want to know. They don't want to know about the Lord. It's difficult. Or they, they perhaps have understood a bit, but not much. And then it tells us to teach them and baptize them. And they're to obey everything that the Lord has given. And you think, well, how, how, come on, Lord, how am I supposed to do that? Well, as it happens, he's given us a toolkit for that. And I think, I'm told, if I press that like that, oh, look at that. <laughs> Here is our toolkit and we're finding it in 1 Corinthians 12, if you've got your Bibles with you, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, says this. Now, to each one, notice that, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit 
To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. A toolkit. Now I'm going to put them, I think, if I do that. There you go. There are your gifts of the Spirit. Do we operate in all of them all of the time? Well, I don't. I'd love to know if you do. If anyone does, let me know. But I don't. I can't. I operate in some of them some of the time. Wisdom. Notice wisdom is the very first one. And I would like to say to us that whatever gifts we operate in, let the first one be wisdom. Because without wisdom, we're going to make a mess of the rest. Without wisdom, we might get a word of knowledge and think, I'll give that now, and the person's not ready. We might think, oh, I've got a prophecy. I'll stand up in church and I'll give my prophecy. But maybe that prophecy is for one particular individual who isn't there today. And we need to have the wisdom to seek God and to know what is appropriate for this day and this time. Now, something I did want to ask you is, who is eligible? Who's going to get these? Let me put that down a minute. Who is eligible? And that beginning of that scripture said, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To each one. You are eligible. For that lot. For that lot. You're eligible. I'm eligible for these things. And they are for the common good. You know, you look at those and you think, I'm going to get miracles. I'm going to go out for miracles. I'm going to get miracles. Because when I look good then, (laughs) when I look good, if suddenly I can heal the sick and I can stop the sea and all sorts of things. Now, I'll tell you a funny one. I operated in a miracle once. (laughs) And uh, we had a, a terrific fire in Spain coming over the hill towards our house. No other houses around. Coming over towards the house. And uh, my late husband and I were in the house with our animals and we're looking at this fire and we kept getting people from the church ringing up and saying, get out of there, get out of there. I'm thinking, it's going to be all right, it'll be all right. (laughs) And in the end, all the helicopters that were dropping the stuff to stop the fire left. All the beaters went because it was getting dusk and they couldn't. And it was coming down the mountainside. I thought, Lord, what am I to do? Went outside, thought about King Canute. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, that's it. Thus far and no further, stop it. Well, you flex your muscles, don't you, when you're a Christian? I'll have a go. I'll have a go. Do you know what? The wind changed. 
and blew the fire back on itself over the mountain. And of course, when fire is burning on dead stuff, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything, does it? It goes out. And I thought, I'm going to have that as a miracle. That's my, my one and only miracle. Oh, dear. So who is eligible? We all are. I know of one Christian who was on a ferry going from uh, England to, to France, and it was a very stormy day, and it was the last ferry that left the port, and it got towards the port at the, at the other end. I'm not sure if it was Calais. I think it might have been. And the sea was tossing, the winds were blowing so badly it couldn't enter the port. And these guys were stuck on this boat for hours. Now, I don't know how good you are on a boat. I'm rubbish. You know what's happening on that boat. Lots of problems. And this Christian, you know, I'm sick to death, sick of sick. (laughs) I'm sick to death of people being sick, me feeling sick, everything's going on. And she went to the prow of the boat in all of this that was going on and commanded in the name of Jesus for the seas to flatten out and the wind to abate. And they did. And they did. That boat was able to enter port. And everyone was so relieved. Now, to need a miracle, to be able to operate in miracles, you've got to come across a circumstance that needs one. So all I'm saying is just be a bit prepared. Because that list is fabulous. And the miracle one is great. But you've got to find yourself in a circumstance where you're going to need it. So don't be too quick to grasp at miracles. But you're eligible. I want to tell you about my my house hunting experience in Spain. Looked at an awful lot of houses, thinking we might move. We haven't moved yet. But we looked at a lot of houses. And in Spain, lots of the houses are built on on hillsides, which means that you, you go up the road and you go in the front door there, and then the house is built down and there's stairways, and there's perhaps your pools a bit on a lower level. But it often means the houses are two-tier. You've got a big living accommodation on this level, but like, almost like a, an underbuild, it's called, underneath, where there's another area which is dug out from the hillside and built up. Now, that's very useful. And, I mean, lots of people put their family there when they come out to visit. We'll shove them in the underbuild. Now, the underbuild sounds a bit, but it's actually got bedrooms, it's got a lounge, it'll have a kitchen, and and obviously all the facilities you'd need for for good living. And it might be the nearest one to the pool anyway. Good work, eh, Joel? Yeah. Now, some of the underbuilds were turned into tool rooms for the bloke who had perhaps been an engineer or he'd been a carpenter or something, and he'd have his tools down there. And some of the places we went into were amazing. You go down and you just think, whoa, what's this? There was a lathe, work surfaces, power tools. And all around the wall, there'd be metallic strips where the tools would be in different sizes coming down like this, all in their own place all shiny and beautiful because he kept them pristine and immaculate. And you'd think, whoa. One funny place we went to, it was like that. I mean, it wasn't just the one. There were several of them. We went to one place, and we thought we really might buy this house. And uh, I was going to look around the house, see if there's anything I wanted that they were going to leave behind. And the bloke said, 
oh, um, husband, come with me, took him into his man cave <laughs> and said, now, this does this and that does that. Which would you like to buy? Well, my, my present husband was just thinking, I don't even know how to use a screwdriver, never mind this lot. Yeah. <laughs> but the point with the man cave was, first of all, it was really close to where he lived, where his general living was. It was a close part of his house. He would have the knowledge of how to use all of these different tools. And he had everything there that was required either to repair or create something. You know, sometimes it was a quick repair job and he'd have the right tools for it. Other times you'd think, I'm going to make a coffee table. I'm going to make a rocking chair. And off they'd go and do it. He had everything he needed. And everything was in perfect, immaculate condition and he knew exactly where it was. Now, my tools, in my little house, <laughs> there's a drawer. You pull it out and everything sort of scuttles around. And you pick the... I, I did this the other day, so I know it's true. You pick the saw out and it's all rusty. <laughs> I, I was asked by my present husband one day, have you got an axe? Because we need to chop some wood. Yes, it's an axe. Well, I got this axe out and he's there. <laughs> he could not use it. It was as blunt as a blunt thing can be. Oh, dear. So, you know, my, my physical tools were not in good condition. But what's the point of spiritual gifts? What's the point of all these things? Do you value them? Do I value them? You know, when I was a younger Christian, it was, oh, right, now then. I got myself baptized in the Spirit, I think. I need, I need to do something about this now. I need, I need a gift. And in those days, the first gift you were meant to get was, was the gift of tongues. How am, I, how am I going to use this then? How am I going to get this? And I'm, I'm working it all out because we come from a, a brethren background and some of you will know that they were saying that's not for today, these are not there and so on. And, and so I'm still trying to get, this, get my head around this. And I'm sitting in the living room one day, quite happy, knitting, whatever, watching telly. And Andy's dad comes out of the kitchen, away like this, grin on his face. Stands in the doorway like this. I'm saying, whatever's up with you? He said, I was washing up. And I got baptised in the Spirit. I'm speaking in tongues. I said, what? <laughs> How's that? What? You know? And I thought, you can't be. Yeah. And it wasn't a little tiny few words. He had, boom, full language. And was he in a month's prayer at the time? Was he sweating over, Lord, come, baptize me? No, he was washing the dishes. What did he have? He had an open heart. He had a willingness. He had a desire to get more of God. He had a desire to use something of the Lord. And he got this. I mean, <laughs> I was some weeks later. <laughs> come on, Lord, it's not fair. And for me, it was a different experience. For me, I was just in a worship time and they were singing that old song hallelujah hallelujah some of you are nodding hallelujah and I started started to sing in tongues just two or three words and the reason it was different for me 
was because I couldn't bear to hear myself. Because as soon as I spoke in tongues, I was analyzing it and thinking, that sounds just like Mrs. Smith. I've made that up. But when I couldn't hear myself, and in worship, that was what connected me, and I was able then. And, and now, you know, bless the Lord, I don't even know what tongue I'm going to get next because I don't have a prayer language. I have prayer languages because it, it, each one seems to fit the need. You know, if it's wartime, it's... And if it's worship, it's... You know, it's <laughs> lyrical. So it's a great gift. If you don't have the gift of tongues... When you're worshipping, it's superb. Because you run out of, yes, I love you, Lord, praise you, Lord, worship you. You're worthy. Uh, I love, love you, Lord, praise you, Lord, worship you. you. You know what I'm saying? We only, in English, have so many words. But if you're looking for the gift of tongues, then you can go off into something else. When you're praying for somebody, sometimes the Lord will give you someone to pray for. Maybe you wake up in the night with somebody on your heart. How do I pray for them, Lord? I don't know what they need. You can pray in tongues. You can pray in tongues. Jesus used the word of knowledge. When he was at the, the well at Sychar in Samaria and the, the lady came out, you know the story, she came to the well uh, at midday because it was too scary to come out when all the other women were there because they judged her. And he had a conversation with her and said, go and call your husband. I thought about this. That was a setup. What was she going to say? Oh, yes, I will. And pretend to be, you know, all wonderful. She said, I don't have one. And he said, That's right. You've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Now, thinking about how Jesus would react and relate to somebody, that was not a judgment. I don't believe that was judgmental and said, oh, you had five, and the man you've got now isn't. I think it was, this is a fact. Why did he use it? To get her attention to who he was. A word of knowledge does that. If you're with somebody, you know, we're told, go make disciples. But if you're talking to somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and the Lord gives you a word of knowledge about their situation, they are going to listen to what else you have to say. If it's something that nobody else could know. I know occasionally I've been praying with somebody and the Lord's given me something. And I, I, I can say, the Lord knew you were crying last night about this, this situation. And it's not guesswork. You know, none of these gifts are natural talents. You might have a certain amount of knowledge and a certain amount of natural faith. These are supernatural. These cut to the quick. These go straight through. So it's, it's not that you have a natural ability, but you can ask the Lord for something that's absolutely dynamic. With her, that cut to the quick. What happened because of that was she went back into the village to tell them, come and see a man that I've met. Could this be the Messiah? Now, I want you to imagine that just for one second. What was that like? She's been ostracized by all the women in the town because they're going to say to their husbands, don't you go talking to her. I know what happens when men talk to her. She was probably gorgeous. <laughs> you can't talk to her. 
And all the men would be, no, of course I wouldn't. I've got my reputation to think of. So she was ostracized. And yet she managed, with this sudden ability to know who he was, to walk in with some confidence, come and see him. She would go, it was middle of the day, maybe an hour later, because she was at the well at that time. In the Mediterranean, if it was a hot time, they would probably all be behind closed doors having a siesta, and she'd be banging on the doors, come and see this man. Ooh, it's that woman. <laughs> come and see who I've, who I've met. But that was through a word of knowledge. You and I have the ability to operate through a word of knowledge. Paul and Silas at Philippi operated in the, some, some uh, Bibles say, the distinguishing or the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. So important. They're walking around and they're preaching the gospel. And there's this girl running after them, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. Now, if I was preaching in Ashton and somebody followed me who was well known as a soothsayer and as somebody who you could go to to have your, your, your future told, somebody came and said, that woman knows the Lord is serving God. Wouldn't that be a temptation to think, yeah, thank you, you're right. But because it was from the wrong spirit, she spoke truth, but it was the wrong spirit was coming from clairvoyance, and it was the wrong spirit. And so they had to discern that and cast the spirit out of her so she could no longer use that gift. That was a discerning of spirit. So, so helpful. I know when I, I used to work and I, I had a lot of public coming in, just occasionally someone would come in and I'd think, oh, oh my word, be careful of this one. And they'd only said hello. And it was, it was a spirit of, of discernment, you know, the, the uh, ability to discern what spirit they were coming from, where they were coming from. And it's so handy to have, to know, right? Okay, I can pray into this circumstance. I know where that's coming from, even if they're speaking truth. Sometimes you have to have a discernment. So, how do you get these gifts? How are you going to have them? Well, sometimes they just turn up. I never asked for the ability to, to work miracles. You know, some of you might say, oh, that was a bit of, um, a bit of uh, just consequence of the wind change. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That came... Because on that day, I needed it. And it, I didn't have to ask. It was just, okay, you got it. Sometimes I've prayed for the sick, healings. And sometimes they've actually got healed. <laughs> so sometimes it's just there. But mostly we need to ask. Because this scripture tells us you need to earnestly, eagerly desire the gifts for the common good, not for yourself. You eagerly desire them. And so you need to ask. I mean, Jesus asked of his Father regularly. That's why he spent so much time in prayer. You look at the amount of time he spent in prayer before he chose his disciples. 
You look at what he says after he'd been at the pool of Bethesda and the crippled man was healed. He said, I do what I see my father doing. I can only do what I see my father doing. Now, the pool of Bethesda was a bit like the local hospital. Everybody that was sick was all around it. Jesus went in for one person and brought them out walking. We can make the mistake of saying, right, I'm having the gift of healing. Where's Thameside Hospital? Here I come. No. We need the wisdom to come before the Lord and find out, Father, what are you doing? What do you want to, me to partner in? What can I partner in today? Use wisdom when you're using the gifts. Will you get them all? The end of this chapter tells us very clearly that some have one, some have another. That's why we need to come together as a body of Christ. Because some have one, some have another. Some may operate in, in healing uh, like we had Andrew on Friday. He's obviously very much used in that ministry. Some will not. You know, I, I would never be able to say, I have a gift of healing that operates all the time. Occasionally, it's worked for me. So we need to see that we need each other in these gifts. We need to look for the gifts within ourselves and say, Lord, I really would like to move in more faith. I really would like to move in the gift of knowledge. If you don't speak in tongues, that would be a good one to start with. Lord, let me have the freedom to move in that gift. Very effective is the word of knowledge. Uh, when Andy's dad died and we were running the church, I said, Lord... What do I do? Should a woman be running a church on her own? Going back to my brethren background where I had to sit with my hat on and say nothing at all. <laughs> what, what happens now, Lord? And I kept asking, Lord, show me. I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Am I meant to keep going or what? I'd just come through some treatments as well. I wasn't particularly well. What do I do, Lord? But I looked around the church and the people that I knew would one day take over the church, that, that they had lots of things in their lives at that time, and I knew it wasn't time. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I, I, my, my other son, Andy's brother, Mark, paid for me to go over to Florida for a holiday to see them. And I right, went to their local church, meeting one day, and there's a lady speaking who'd been widowed, and I, I related to her. And I went out for prayer afterwards. I thought, you know, I'll get, get her to pray with me. Some others went as well. Very quickly I said, husband's dead, got a church, don't know what to do. And she started to pray. And then she went into prophecy and said, you need to get back there and pass to those people. They need you. And it was very short. And I thought, Lord, I can't take that because... She might be just saying that. I, I need more than just that. And the Bible tells us, test the prophets, doesn't it? If you get a word that says, mate, you're going to China next week, you know, you, you've got to kind of test it. Lord, I need more than that. Oh, sorry. What, what am I going to do? And I turned to go away. 
And as I turned to go away, she said, and you need to get into Isaiah 61. Now, Isaiah 61 was a very, very formative passage for me and our family. Because when we first went out to Spain in 1987, the whole meeting of our send-off was based on Isaiah 61. Coincidentally, if you like, somebody had that scripture to read. The worship team was singing the um, Chris Bowater song, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And the pastor had chosen to speak on it that day. And it kind of rooted me to the spot when she said, get into Isaiah 61. I said, thank you, Lord. That is my confirmation that what she has just prophesied is correct. But you know, there was more to it than that. Because Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, etc., etc. I'm sure you know the scripture. And I went back. And I continued with the church until it was time to hand over. But there's something I'd like to do today if you'll give me liberty. Andy doesn't know this is coming. But I felt challenged to do this when I looked. Because that day... A 14-year-old Andy Chadwick was also prayed on with these words. And I believe that this is the fulfillment to some degree of it. And Andy, if you'll allow me, I want to see these words over you again. And I'm going to include Jackie in this. I've only got one spare hand. But because they're married, they are one in the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Bless you. So that was the prophecy and a word of knowledge that took me on from one place to another. See how important these gifts are. What should you ask for? What should I ask for? Firstly, I believe always wisdom. I remember a period in my life when I was forever asking for wisdom. And James 1.5 says that the Lord gives generously regarding wisdom to all who ask. So you're not going to be denied. You ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. Not just when you have a situation, but generally for everything, especially in the operating of the gifts. Without that, your prophetic word could fall in the wrong place at the wrong time. Without that, you can be too early or too late with something. You might go to the wrong people. 
Worse still, you might stand in the wrong attitude. You know, you get a little stir and you think, oh, I'm going to give that. And really, it's about yourself. That's not what they're for. They're for the common good. So we need the wisdom. What kind of gift should you ask for? Well, I said don't look at natural talent, but actually, if your natural talent is chatting with people, then it might be a good idea to seek the supernatural in prophecy and the word of knowledge. If your natural talent is to go and visit the sick people, then maybe your, your supernatural talent will be to bring healing and consolation to them. I want to ask you what your tool room looks like. What does your spiritual tool room look like today? Is it like my drawer, a pile of forgotten things that have gone rusty? A pile of stuff you've forgotten how to use. You've forgotten there. You know, I open my drawer and I think, oh, I didn't realize I got one of them. <laughs> you can forget what's there. And I'm guilty of it. You know, when I was younger, I'd often be, Lord, what am, I, what am I operating in? What can I have? What can you give me? And I'd do that. But these days, it's kind of, oh, yeah, okay. I've forgotten about that. I've forgotten one day I prayed for the sick. I've forgotten you were there, Lord. You're able to, to use these and let me have these. What's your tool room like? Is it so close to where you're living that you can access it quickly? Or are your spiritual gifts a way off where you've got to really get in and seek the Lord again before you think they're anywhere near? Actually, the Lord says that when he gives a gift, he never takes it back. So you can use it. But you need to be aware it's close. It's close to your everyday living. Do you have everything for the jobs that are, are, are in hand? If not, start and ask. Start and polish them up. Do you have the knowledge of how to use them? It's all right having the gift of discernment of spirits, but what do you do then? <laughs> have you any idea how to approach somebody who needs some deliverance? Get some knowledge into that situation. How immaculate are the tools that you have already? Are they used in a way that they're kept sharp and able? Remember that one prophecy doesn't make you a prophet. And one healing doesn't make you someone with the gift of healing in their hands. It doesn't do that. There are people who operate in the office of prophets. And they, they, there are very few of them, unfortunately, these days. But very often they will come from church to church and they'll speak a, a now word, a rhema word into that church, into that situation. But most of us just have... A gift of prophecy. We don't stand in the office of prophets. Same goes for healing. Sometimes you need to clear out of your life to make space for the immaculate tool room. I need to do that. So much clutter in my life. So many things. So many stuff I, need, I think I need. But actually, I need a clear space so God can come. And he can get a hold of the tools that he has put within me years ago and sharpen them up. You might need to clear out. You might need to be prepared for opportunities. You might need to be prepared to learn. I know years ago, when, when I started to operate in, in the gift of knowledge and the gift of prophecy, 
I, I would see the most ridiculous things. I would know somebody was going to make a certain choice. It made no difference to anybody what choice they made, but I'd know. And I said to Jeff one day, well, I'm getting the strangest things. I, I seem to know stuff that, you know, I, I wouldn't naturally have known. And he said, yes, I'm getting the same. And we realized it was God teaching us. It wasn't something that was generational coming through to the female line, nothing like that. It was God teaching us how to operate in the gift of knowledge without it hurting anybody. And we just had that information for ourselves. Be prepared to get it wrong. Boy, have I got it wrong. Be prepared to get it wrong and then carry on anyway. Keep going with the tools that God has given us. We were in Mallorca once on holiday, Jeff and I, and we were going through a shop, and I'm, I'm nearly finished now if you're worried about the timing, but um, we were going through a shop, and, and there was a little boy, uh, probably about eight years old, in a wheelchair, being pushed along by his, his grandma, and his mum and dad were with him. And Jeff's heart just went out to this little boy, and he said to me, oh, you know, I, I, feel, I feel I should go and pray for that little boy. I want to pray for that little boy. I said, well, you know, do it. <laughs> Can you imagine going through Aldi in that situation? <laughs> what do you do? And, and he didn't. And he didn't. He said, oh, I can't. You know, I didn't. He didn't. And we went outside the shop. We followed them out because I think still on his heart was, maybe I could do it outside the shop. And we followed them outside the shop. And they got to the roadside. And the little boy jumped out of the wheelchair and his grandma sat in. <laughs> Obviously, it was her that, that needed, you know. And we, phew, that was a close one. But, you know, sometimes you, you get it wrong. We all do. But, okay, by the grace of God, we didn't rush up and make complete nanas of ourselves. But God, God is so good. Be prepared to get it wrong and carry on. These gifts are there for us to use. Above all, ask, desire eagerly, earnestly, the gifts of the Spirit that are there for the job that we all have to do. God bless you.